0: Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by my full complement of fine co-hosts. Nate Heininger. Laura Nash. And even fuller complement, Shane Kelly. No compliments for Shane. Uh, And this week we are talking about the sequel to a game that we covered back in 2018. Uh, And actually, sequel isn't the word they use. They call it a sister game. We are talking about... Far, Changing Tides, the sister game to Far Lone Sails.
1: Far, a tale of sister tides.
2: I mean, it's very much like when you get a sequel to your favorite book, but it's like, it's set in the same universe, and all the characters are different, but it's the same place. That's what a sister game means here.
0: <laughs> you know, Nate, the joke that you just made about the uh, about the title, it, what, what really cracked me up was that... Um, uh, I just went back and listened to our episode from 2018 on far loan sales, and uh, we spent the first ten minutes of that episode cracking jokes about the title "Far Loan Sales" and uh, "Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons." Yeah, and I realized that we made the exact same jokes in 2018 that we made this week on the Discord, and then just now on the episode. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's just it's just there, man. Time um, time is a flat circle. Yeah, brothers. A tale of two sisters.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will say the naming makes a lot more sense now that there's multiple games to it. So it does. You know, you have far, and then something after it.
0: Yeah, I, I was really back in 2018, like leaning on the fact that they they called this thing Far Loan Sales when either of the two halves of that title would have done just yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but now having two games, it makes a little more sense. I don't know for sure that they were planning this as a you know two games uh, of a piece thing back then. Um, but this is a weird thing to see a sequel of. This is your chance, though. Do just. Rename both games together right now. Mm. What would you call them? Um, um, loan
1: sales and changing tides, maybe.
2: Or, or even just loan sales, uh, desert wind, loan sales. That like loan sales, and maybe loan sales yeah, that's on the, the thing water. Is that they, they like both
0: <laughs> have sales. They, they, we're talking. They about both the have previous, sales.
1: The previous game focused on. Yeah, but it, a, they both you go far. So let's <laughs> not just <laughs> go far. <laughs> you go that's really true. far. You go really far in this one. Way more far than the first one, I think.
2: But the first one was about a sailboat on the desert sand. In
0: fact, far lone (laughs) sails would make more sense for this game than for the previous one, because not only are you in a boat instead of a locomotive – so both had sails, but the sails are clearly more emphasized here – but also (laughs) – uh, you go farther. So the title mm-hmm. <laughs> makes more. Farther!
2: Sense.
1: Far and farther. farther, farther right?
2: loan sales, farther loan sales. Loaner, loan, so farther a
1: loaner, loaner, more loan sales, more sales, farther, bigger sales. Better, faster, uh, stronger, faster sales.
2: You're still alone.
1: Oh, uh, this is good content, you guys. Let's Lo- let's let's dig this one a little bit deeper before we move into Lonesome actually train. Yeah, the far. Have lonely. we
2: described what this game is about yet? <laughs> no. no, I think no. It's,
0: I think it's almost impossible <laughs> to really get into this game without reminding folks or informing folks who may have missed the previous game just what the far lone sales extended universe is all about the far obviously, yeah obviously yeah. we all know about the far reverse. so um for that first episode it was me laura and nate i don't believe shane was on that one so um, no shane... i didn't i skipped that one um as i will frequently do uh i i'm pretty sure elden ring came out that week <laughs> no wait that was this week <laughs> Yeah, I wanna I wanna thank Shane for joining the podcast, even though he spent 300 hours on Elden Ring just in the last three days. So, Shane, I'm I'm impressed that you managed to join us today. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, well, I didn't finish the game. <laughs> 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 okay, well, I I think most of us did, so we're still not equipped. not far in Elden Ring
1: distraction.
0: Yeah. Um. So to refresh folks' memory, far loan sales. Uh, is a game where you play as a tiny little red-suited girl, I think, uh, who uh, seems to be the last person on Earth, or wherever she is. And um, the entire game is her driving a sort of strange conveyance, this bizarre combination of a large tractor-slash-steam engine-slash- sailing vessel.
2: A sail train.
0: Right, a sail train. Or an locomotive, uh, which is the name of the developer of these two games, and also, uh, in canon, the name of the the conveyance that she was driving. Um, so she's driving her locomotive across an endless desert, a sort of seemingly apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic, uh, like, desert landscape. Uh, where the sea has clearly dried up. There's a bunch of, like, beached boats everywhere. And you're driving your sort of land yacht across this this extended place. And the the key factor here is this. your The entire game is about your interacting with all of the systems that make this weirdly complicated boat slash train go. Um, so, you know, hoisting the sails, and when there's no wind, taking down the sails, turning on the various systems that run its engines to drive it and so on. Um, and it it was a really compelling experience. It was about three to four hours long. Uh, when we played it, it was exclusive to PC, but it's since, since 2018 been ported to everything. The uh, The Okomotive team has been busy. They ported it to PlayStation 4. They point, ported it to the Xbox One. They ported it to Nintendo Switch. They even ported it to iOS and Android. It's on everything now. Um, And so it's neat to see them return to this series uh, with a new game, Um, but it's also surprising to see the new game be really of a piece with the original. The twist with Far Changing Tides is that rather than trudging across a desert, you're trudging across an ocean in a seafaring version of the same vehicle from the original game. Not quite the same, but very similar. Yeah. So similar systems. Uh, the sails work pretty much the same, the engine works pretty much the same, um, except you have a different, more boaty type of boat now. Having not played the first one, the idea that this would take place in anything other than a boat is kind of surprising to me. What I will say for this, in terms of like the way that the game both looks and plays, uh, there's kind of a, a recent breed of um, 2D... 3D adventure platformers that includes things like Inside mm-hmm. um, and what was the what was the other one from that same day? Limbo 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 um, and I think I try to think of others but this is really similar um, to that and you know the, the the one thing that ties that whole tiny genre together is my inner voice desperately, str- desperately screaming, why can't you step to the
1: side to go around this <laughs> <thing>? <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought about Limbo and Inside also a lot during this game, only instead of those games being just near constant puzzle platforming, this is like little snacks of puzzle platforming with a lot of just – vibing out to the the landscape and the the gorgeous the gorgeous backgrounds and uh you know we've done a lot of games obviously on this show at this point and some of them stick with you and some of them I forget that we've played it like three months after we've played it and uh far alone sales is one that has stuck with me I I think about that game a lot and I think it is because of its that that vibe that that the 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 feeling that you get while playing this game that i don't think i've really experienced with any other games which is just really that like upkeep of traversal while it also being really low effort low stakes and it's more about just kind of looking around and you know feeling the environment it is kind of like if it's like a mix of a journey and inside you know, journey bits mixed with puzzle platforming bits.
0: Yeah, what's missing here, I mean, what, what you get here that you don't have in those other kinds of games is because you are kind of working all these different little uh, levers and systems to uh, make cool cargo, um, you get that those moments where you're like, okay, well, you know, the boiler is all topped up and the sails are up. And we are cruising at speed, and unless the wind dies, we're just going to keep going. And you get these really neat, quiet moments where you're just sort of cruising, and you can kind of look around you and enjoy the world. And the world is very beautiful in this game. The, the thing that is incredible about the art style is the person who made this is really, really good at 3d modeling. Like Mm -hmm. it is, it is beautifully uh, modeled and fairly simply textured, which is a a combination that always really, really works for me. And just, and then, you know, you have the animation of, of this incredible vehicle and you know, the adorable little mop headed, whatever he is, Muppet in a (laughs) Muppet in a scuba (laughs) suit. (laughs) Um, it just it, visually it's all really good and then you know not to mention there's lots the, the landscape is littered with these really lovely touches like um, animals walking in the background um, and the whole world has the sense that this is a this is a this was a postmodern world that was destroyed by some kind of tidal wave calamity Um and Even though, you know, you're the only person you see in the game, uh, you know, there's evidence of not just life everywhere, but like human life everywhere, human, human life that has kind of struggled through this fall. It's very, very cool and beautiful. And when you have those moments where your, your ship is just cruising across the water, which, um, you know while we're talking about beautiful things, this game does water very, very beautifully.
1: <laughs> I was going to say wow. that. I feel like I've spent like 20 years of my gaming experience being like, wow, that water looks great. And this was yeah. in this is another game where I kept thinking, wow, that water looks great. I uh, mean,
2: way dirtier <laughs> water <laughs> than Abzu, but exquisitely rendered dirty uh, post-apocalyptic water. Uh, beautiful. Abzu is
0: a great comparison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think in – it's worth talking about like the specifics of how this works because although it's very similar to its original game, um, the thing that really stands out about these two games is – and there's no other games I've ever seen that really do this – is that it is a platformer, but it's about driving – the basically, the platforming level is your vehicle. You're driving mm. this thing forward constantly.
2: See, that's funny. I think of it more like a task management game.
0: Yes. But yeah. it's
2: – the tasks are – Manage, keep your ship moving to the right, um, mm-hmm. or get off your ship and solve a puzzle to un to move something out of the way. Or I guess the other puzzle is just chill. Um, yeah, <laughs> but there's really when nothing we were, else.
0: Back in 2018, when we talked about this, we made some comparisons to the game Space Team, which is a mm-hmm. bit silly, but it is a game about um, managing a bunch of systems and trying to keep them from going off the rails. Um, and that's essentially what you're doing here is you are you are a tiny little person in a gigantic boat and your job is to keep the boat running uh keep the boiler fueled keep the uh keep the sails managed you have to tweak them constantly as the wind shifts uh and all of the other various things that are part of keeping the boat running and moving in the direction that you intend
1: um and yeah, there, there's um there's constant little push-pull mechanisms. So when you are um, sailing, when there's good wind, you're not really operating the boiler, but you are operating the sails. And there is a flag that indicates if your uh, sails are in the optimal position. And there's a sweet spot on the, on the um, mast that you want the flag to be in perfectly and if you're in that perfect spot it you are at full speed and you manage that by either just simply going left or right your little character is pushing or pulling a giant I don't know like sliding lever or whatever and your flag's going down so you might have to push the lever to the left Or now it's going down, and you need to push it to the right. You're just constantly pushing and pulling this little lever to keep your flag in the sweet spot. Same thing with the uh, if you're if you're managing the boiler, you have to keep it loaded with trash to burn to keep it going. You have to keep it lit with like a big um. What what are those called? You know, it's like
2: gasoline canister.
1: No, you're 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 pushing air into it. Yeah, the actual. you have to push air into bellows. it. The bellows, yes, yeah, the bellows the that are so big, you are jumping on them, and so you're keeping it fueled. But if it is hot for too long, it will overheat, so you have to uh, put out the water, so you're kind of push-pull between the heat and, and your speed. There's also later you know, an underwater element, which is like a push-pull between how much air you have in your ship so you're at the top or how much water you have so you go bottom. They're all very, or for the most part, it sounds kind of like a lot, but it's really not. Especially the sailing part, you get the you get the sense
0: that this is a ship that was designed to be uh, controlled by a team of four or five people yeah. at a time, right? Like you're a, you're a single person trying to operate, uh, you know, a, a nuclear submarine. Where like this was designed to be crude, not driven. And it's it's impossible to really a hundred percent manage it. So you're constantly running back and forth from the various different stations within this little ship to try to keep the thing working and not overheating or or what have you.
2: And in a week where UI discourse has been the thing, I want to praise the fact that everything interactable is colored blue. So it not mm-hmm. only helps you if you are trying to solve a puzzle and don't know what to do next. There's blue things. You should probably mess with the blue things, but also on your ship it's nice because sometimes it's really nice to change the scale and zoom out uh, as much as possible. And you're just a little guy. You're just a little guy Hmm. in a big ship in a much bigger world. And being able to really quickly see the blue also functions as a really lovely way. As you're darting around, you don't have to keep in your mind where everything is, you kind of can scan and say there's five dots. Oh, the dot on the right is the, you know, the bellows, the dot on the top is my, my ship. It's really easy to get a sense of geography, uh, which is in a world where everything is, you know, rusted and gray and Brown and like dark blue. It's a very muted palette having these electric blue things and white, um, all the helpful markers of what things do are in bright white against all this dark Brown. And those two things make this much easier, especially I can't imagine playing this on a smaller device, like an iPhone or a switch. Um, I saw this on a projector because the scale is quite hard to see. Sometimes you are so little, those blue things stand out though. So maybe that's how it works. You may be little, you're wearing blue in your suit Mm All the controls are blue, even when it's really hard to see exactly what you're doing. It doesn't require super big nuance. It's like walk up to the thing and hit X, <laughs> walk up to the thing and move backwards. Um, I think those help the game immeasurably, and it, it the this is a game where the issue is doing the tasks in the time allotted, not doing the tasks it's finicky in a different way than other games where it requires a lot of tactile manipulation it is finicky at times
1: though yeah i uh, there are a few things that i think that are not perfect about this game it's and it's i think it's overly finicky at times but um but the nice thing is for the most part like every you know all the puzzles are pretty straightforward the maintenance of the ship is pretty straightforward the game is never like super confusing about what you're supposed to do, even though, um, you know, sometimes there are great distances between you and your next, next objective or, or where you're supposed to go. It kind of guides you more naturally uh, or in a very natural way with those, um, Mm -hmm. with the color schemes and the environment. And, and for the most part, it's pretty clear what, what you do. A lot of great visual cues. Mm -hmm.
2: And it makes these big moments stand out like this. Uh, Far Alone Sales, the prequel sister game, uh, is a much shorter experience. It is honestly in the like two-hour range. It's much smaller. Yeah, I think three
0: I think three to four, and this one oh, you're right. I played it in seven. So I was going to say it's, it's still short. It's double it's, or triple the length. Yeah. It's still in our – but
2: it has to have more big moments than the first game had, I think, two – one big one halfway and one at the end. Yeah. Um, this one has to have a lot more chapters because of its length.
1: And those those big moments, um, you know, one of the things that we haven't touched on yet, besides the fact that you're a tiny person in a big ship, this whole world is massive. This is a game that really plays with scale and making you feel minuscule. Like I, I get the sense that whatever this pre-apocalypse uh, world was, it feels like it was inhabited by giants and you are just like tiny little uh people trying to make your way in the remains of a former giant world i don't know if that's actually in lore cuz there's also like all the ladders and shit that you use to get everywhere so it's like you know why are those there but like it, everything is M- huge machinery, huge, uh, you know, b- buildings in the background and, and it really makes you feel tiny. And a lot of those set pieces yeah. are those moments where you're like climbing a little ladder and then it zooms out and you're in the top of this massive tower. And like your ship is also tiny now on the screen. It's really great. Well,
0: without a doubt, the, the, the main character, uh, who really needs a name, um, I'll just uh, simply I'd, call him little guy. The main character is named Toe, according to Uh-oh. things right. outside of the context of the game. <laughs> and if,
2: if we haven't adorable. said this game is wordless, which is why we do not oh. know totally wordless. the Yeah, the,
0: name. we know from the developer's website that the develop, that the character in the previous game was named Loan, which was very funny when we realized that because far, comma, loan sales. It's a, Yeah, um,
1: it's saying what she's <laughs> okay. doing,
0: she's sailing, loan sales. Yes, but uh, this one is Toe. I don't... I don't know uh you know this one's so this is far tow sail tow sail yeah far tow sales. tow far uh, tow boat tow boat, right. toe <laughs> boat. Oh,
1: so tell it's the toe toe is boat steer. it's the tow boat That's yeah. so good. the um
0: the the thing that i was i was trying to get get to about about him cuz you you said the world seems really big it seems pretty clear exploring the world that uh, toe. The little guy is a child, uh, mm-hmm. because you do see at different places, um, some uh, what I think is dead bodies, or maybe it was just empty little little suits. Toe has this really interesting, um, like turbine hat. I don't know what else to call it. Yeah. Propeller thing, a propeller beanie, uh, not beanie. <laughs> An it's underwater a, it's a propeller scuba, hat. Yeah, it's a scuba suit that has like a fold out neck turbine. Um, so that it when you get likeable, in the water, but great. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a it's kind of a the, a lot of the stuff in this is is that kind of design. There's, by the way, there, one of the things I saw looking up the developer on um, online. Speaking of the great design for the ship and for the for the outfit, was some someone who had made a. Um, a model of the ship oh. and like put it into like resin art waves, which was absolutely awesome looking. So if you, you look online for that, but um, the other thing about toe, I guess now that we're calling him toe is that, I mean, it reminded me very much of like a couple of episodes ago, Reagan kind of awakened me to a archetype that had never really clicked for me, which is the little guy who goes around we did talk this was the ranking
2: of kings in the making us happy episode nice callback
0: yeah (laughs) and this is an extreme case of little guy who goes around he's an he's an incredibly little guy and he really goes around maybe goes around the whole planet practically in this boat so uh yeah just that that was on my mind uh while playing this the this little guy it's also worth mentioning like On your screen, like if you have a big 27-inch monitor like I do in front of you, (laughs) um, and you hold up the nail of your pinky finger, it will completely cover this character. But Mm. one of the things that I think is really clever that they did is on the triggers, really this is a game with only a couple of buttons. There's like a jump button and a grab button. Um, But the trigger buttons, one of them is zoom way in, and then the other one is zoom way out. Um, and that is really useful. Like zooming way in doesn't have a ton of use unless you're like, well, occasionally it's very useful when you're trying to like dig burnable items out of the hold of your ship and then stuff like the, the waves slapping against the side or visually getting in the way. You really want to see things, um, even zoomed way in, uh, the main character is essentially um, a circle of hair with two little legs coming out of the bottom, um, and a suit. But uh, yeah, the the zoom way out, I feel like could be a, could be done a little bit better. One of the big complaints I have on this game is um, how frequently I would be coasting along, um, and then I can't. You cannot see that far in front of the boat, right? So. Um, Especially in, like, the first half of the game, there are lots of places where they want you to, like, put the sail down so that you can go under a bridge. Uh, and you just dome that bridge. Yeah, same. Um, I never and was able a to. a little
2: smoke. I was never <laughs>
0: able we to mention, get the sail down in yeah, time before it getting smashed. No, never. Not once. Uh, yeah. It, it, there's like a, there, I, I was trying everything. I was trying standing on the front of the boat, which, like... Uh, there are some auto ca- automatic camera moves. If you stand on the front of the boat, like it kind of uh, zooms out and and pans to the right. That's about as far in front of you as you can see. But never can you see more than about one boat length in front of you. Uh, even if you zoom all the way out and like hold the right stick all the way over to like look as far as you can. Um, when I learned to drive, they told me to keep like three car lengths in front of you <laughs> and to make sure that you always had that much room to stop and it's simply impossible uh in, in this bizarre vehicle i don't know did, did anybody else uh run into the like repair system like what do you yeah. think of like crashing the boat and having to repair it. Was that in the first one? Is that it it wasn't the first one? And it's actually less of a factor here. Like I had to do a lot. I mean, maybe this is the case, not the case for other folks, but like I didn't do a whole lot of like, you know, there were definitely places where you, you know, smash your sail into an overhang or something. And I don't know, whatever. I didn't care. I I smashed my sail and then I went and repaired it and it was fine. I think I did a lot more repairing in the previous game. Notably, this game uh, does not involve, uh, massive damage to your ship apart from one very notable early part where you get hit by a giant wave. Um, that was sweet. That was mm-hmm. sweet. Uh, but yeah, there's not like there's not like huge damage taken to your your cool boat um for the most part. Well so. I'll
2: put it this way. Your ship was always on fire in the last game.
0: Yeah it was so
1: constantly on fire in far lone sails. My God. I I, um, I kind of had a, a little issue with this one of the things that i kind of you know also found frustrating was that like i think for the entire last quarter of the game my bellows system was was broken which basically means it's a lot less effective you can't get up to speed as quickly as you normally can and i never found another repair block which is just a shiny little thing that you can use Weird. i found i found i think i had like two extras by the end of the game i i don't i mean i don't know i it's this is probably me but i had some issues with the resource management of this game like kind of the whole time i was always running out of gas and i was my my bellow system was broken so like i crawled through a major part of the end of the game and it took so long and it was really not very fun just going through these like underwater tunnels that you have to go through and it was i was going at a snail's pace and i was constantly searching for another repair thing and i never found another one so i like the entire last like hour or two or two hours really of the game i was like you know hampered i could not get up to speed and it actually caused a problem with one of the sort of ending climactic things too where i I don't want to spoil it, but I, like I, I, you have to get your boat fully, your your flame to a certain degree, and it was a lot more challenging than it normally is. And I didn't recognize that that's what I was supposed to do because my boat was broken, and it caused me to get stuck for quite a while. But other than that, like I didn't really interact with it that much either, uh, mostly because I it didn't seem to matter when your sails were broken, uh, but it definitely mattered when my when my bellows were broken.
0: The 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 tension of like how much um, burnable stuff for your engine you have because your engine is powered by like essentially whatever junk you want to throw into it which mm-hmm. is a very cool um, cool design I, I like that part a lot uh, but the tension of like what are you going to throw in is actually something I really liked that they did um, fairly fairly regularly like I, I would find cool objects. Mm -hmm. Um, in the ocean. And there are a lot of little spots where you can kind of stash things. Um, Those cool objects can, you know, the the basic stuff is just like uh, little bottles and jars and boxes and crates. And you you tend to find mostly kind of that normal stuff. And, you know, that's very easy to just chuck in. Uh, A couple of times I found adorable little music boxes that would open and play music. I found a, a little figurine of a fish that would like, flop and move. I found I like a little, that. I found a, uh, like a tiny, um, merry-go-round model that also played music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's some places. Either. And, and, and a few times I found lanterns that were like lit and glowing. Yeah. Yeah. I found and, lanterns. I found a, uh, a, I found two models of little elk. Yeah. Um, I found a, what else did I find? Um, definitely found the music box
2: is the cactus from the first game too
0: um no but there was something similar i forget there was some, some kind picture of picture frame plant or, yeah there was something, something. you could bring with you in this game you uh you begin the game with a kind of cactus plant looking thing um a sort of little like uh succulent or something mm-hmm. and if you carry it with you all the way to the boat which is a completely missable and optional thing, but if you do carry it with you all the way to the boat, then you can plant it in a kind of a bowl in the boat. Uh, and I and missed it, rose but are, yeah. I missed that. Oh, you too. did. Okay, I, I brought I, it with I, me.
2: Uh, it was actually really
0: great and price. kind of meaningful yeah. because, like, you bring this – if you bring this cactus plant with you or this little, like, succulent with you all the way from your starting area to the boat, which requires swimming underwater with it and kind of going back for it a couple of times and some very early puzzles, um, then you can plant it in your boat. And there's a special little area, kind of a loft in the boat that has a little, like, sun – uh, sunroof that you can open so that the, 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 the little plant gets extra light. I was wondering
1: what that was for, why that little sunroof was there. Essentially. I thought it was just another yeah, way it's to there get there to it help your little the, plant grow. Yeah.
0: And then, I mean, I, I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler, but what I, what I really loved about that was like, you know, that first of all, it, it, there's a, there's a portrait, I believe of your mother at one point in the very beginning of the game. First of all, the very first moment in the game The little boy uh, is like in a in a room, and one of the only things that you can see there is a a very childlike illustration of him and a taller woman who's clearly his mother. Um, So you get the sense this from this very early picture, like okay, this is this main character you're playing is a kid, and he has a mom. And she looks vaguely like this, and then later you get a, another illustration of her, and she's sitting with this particular plant in her lap in the uh, in the picture. Aww. And so it makes sense that this plant is like not just a memento of his mother, but something that she she loved, right? Um, and then uh, very close to the end of the game, you be, you finally get to an area where you're finding land. And there are more of these plants there. Uh, and it was really a lovely little moment where you're like, okay, this plant that I know is associated with the character's mother that he's carried, or in my case, at least that he's carried with him in the boat the entire time, um, is, you know, we're, we're in the place where it came from. Um,
1: really not just a a little guy who goes around he's a good little he's a good little guy good little boy uh that that's really interesting right you know i i of course i totally missed all of that but i did find some (laughs) of these the plant very well that's so so what i was gonna say is i very likely would have because uh multiple times i found these little nice things that that i liked you know i found the little elk statue and i and i put that over there in that same room where you i guess i didn't know you could plant the flower but i thought like this seems like a good place to store things that I like, mm-hmm. and so I put that there. And then inevitably, I ran out of fuel, couldn't find any, and I'm like, "Well, gotta throw in the elk statue." And I burned the elk burn, statue. Burn the toys. And then I the got. Toys. And then I Did had the you, little. Uh, were you
0: using the uh the little radar to find stuff?
1: Yeah, that is helpful, but it was still. I, I There were times when I was out of fuel and there was just nothing on the radar. So I'm like, "Well, I got to mm-hmm. swim for." And were you, you
0: hauling know. up the big, like the weird moa face? Containers of stuff out of the, out of the
1: yes ocean. when you find them the there's a winch on the boat that is kind of cool yeah. and useful and yeah when I find them I would I would do that but I don't know I I don't know what to say for myself other than that I was out of gas all the time and so I burned my little elk statue that I liked and I burned my little you monster uh, I well hey man you know you gotta survive okay Got to what you gotta do yeah um I did what I had to and I I also had the little carousel that I was like oh this is cute and. That didn't make it very far until it, too, went into the uh, Inferno a little. I was playing a little bit of Little Inferno. I here was about to say the Little Inferno <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the middle of this game. Um, but, you know, I to me, I, I kind of thought that that was also possibly, you know, intentional. Like, these little bits where you're, like, trying to create some sort of collection or a little bits of moments that inevitably all have to go into the fire because you are operating a massive boat, uh, which by the way, no other way. I uh, just remembered again that it really reminded me of James and the giant peach. Uh, yes. and, I can see that. Yeah. especially the, the balloon stuff later. But, um, uh, anyway, so I, I kind of thought of it as like, um, uh, that sort of like, not environmental storytelling, but what am I trying to say where you're like creating little stories in the game, just using what's there, Rather than the game telling you uh, uh
2: emergent narrative
1: emergent okay. narrative, thank you, yeah, or emergent storytelling like that's what I was thinking of was like these little nice items to me having to throw them into the fire was like part of the journey, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, which I thought and was breaking
2: cool. breaking in noticing the full cactus arc that people who didn 't collect the cactus didn't like I think yeah. there's a lot of that um there's a lot of detail in the world, and there's a lot of things to notice um as you're solving puzzles. And I think you are primed based on what you're picking up to notice different things. Like, and I I think that's great because that makes for a better conversation when you're talking about the game. Honestly, there's Um, so
1: much going on in the background, little like flags and see like tribes and things like it, it seems like I'm sure there is tons of these little stories that are being told that it's just, whether you happen to be looking back there or you happen to be down in the, the belly of your ship or or um, like Shane, you know, screaming I'm the king of the world as he sits on the front of his boat trying to make sure he doesn't run into something again. You know, I think we all I spent most of my time just down in the down in the bellows jumping on the little on the little thing. So I don't know. I'm sure I missed a ton they definitely have
0: like a lore Bible for this and they've been holding it pretty close to the vest. I, I know that like based on what we've seen from both games that, you know, this, this is a, a world that was like highly industrialized and was, um, you know, felled by an eco, uh, like an ecological catastrophe. Um, the, the ocean dried up in some places, but turned way too deep in others. Um, and then you kind of get the, the, the sort of general story of like how the world responded to that in the previous game, the areas where the ocean dried up responded by adding legs to all of their boats. Whereas in some of the areas that we explore in this game, uh, the cities ended up having to adapt by becoming, uh, underwater cities and eventually those went bad as well things like that um it's it's really kind of interesting though like to see this like the, the the whole point of this game is apart from managing the vessel is this sort of it is environmental storytelling in a sense but like most of the time when we talk about environmental storytelling we're talking about these small stories we're talking about like i've i found a a toilet with a skeleton on it looks like a person died while taking a shit like that's the that's the the type of it's deep uh, it's, uh, yeah it's deep man um, whereas this is like environmental storytelling on a more like true environments kind of sense. It's like telling you a story about. About the, the it's environment. It's literally
1: environment. In- it's yeah, not environmental exactly. storytelling. It's environment storytelling. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's <laughs> Drop very Drop the L.
2: It's cleaner. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it's, uh, it's still like it's doing the same kind of thing. It's like dropping subtle hints at you like here you're, you're you're passing through. But if you're looking closely, you can start putting things together. And that doesn't just apply to, like, what happened to the world, which is sort of the central question so alone. of this game, but also, like, who are these characters? Who is the little girl from the first game? Who is this little boy from the, the second game? Why are they so intent on going so far, quote-unquote, um, and, like, all, all alone? Why are they alone, and why do they sail? Um, and that's a, that's a question that we get a little more answer to in this in this particular game, like, I know um, we're we're about to get to the point where we need to start putting a spoiler breakdown to talk about the, the details of this, especially the ending. Um, but this game ties into the first game. At, at first, I wasn't sure that these were taking place in the same world because the first game was so dry and this game is so very, very wet. Um, but they do. I don't think that's a huge... No world can be both wet and dry. <laughs> Never. Um, but like the the way these two games interact is pretty interesting. And that's something we probably need to save for post-spoiler break. Um, but that was one of the things I found most rewarding about this. I, I loved the first game. I just absolutely loved it. I've thought about it a lot over the years. And being able to return to a game that is basically more of the same thing, A+. I'm into it personally. I, I really, really liked coming back to this set of systems and this particular art style and this style of vague storytelling. Like this was, this was an a plus for me. Um, I know that may not be the case for everybody here. I know some folks had some, had some difficulty making boat go,
1: but uh, for well, me, when you put I, it
0: that I, way, I, I just, I we don't I ate believe in
2: shaming people here.
0: Never. Unless they're our
2: podcast co-hosts.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I think- <laughs> uh, 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 I, uh, I really, I love the first game. Again, I said at the beginning, it's a game that I think about a lot. Like you said, Reagan, there's something so unique about both of these games. I mean, there's nothing else like this game. We've done some comparisons, uh, but you're really comparing pieces of this game to pieces of other games. But there's nothing yeah. that is really the same of the you know the sum of this game's parts is truly Yeah, unique. this
0: is now essentially a genre with two games in it, both yeah. of them called far Something.
1: Yeah. They're far games. Um mm-hmm. and I I really appreciate it. Any any game like this that is is such a unique experience, you know, I'm here for and again like the, this game is so beautiful. There there are um this game really wants you to just sit and watch it, you know, and Uh, and, and that is usually often very enjoyable. It's, it's beautiful, but, um, I, you know, it really, a lot of this game is just sitting and watching it like way more than the first one. And the first one where the game is two to three hours or whatever, you know, an hour and a half or or an hour of like sitting and watching a cool ship move left to right. That's cool. You know, it's a evening of fun. You know, this, I had to play this over like most of us, you know, eight hours or whatever that takes that took me multiple days and it's ultimately probably like five or six of the eight hours was just sitting and watching your boat go across a beautiful landscape and i thought this game was done like five times before it finally finished and uh it's we're in that weird spot where i think this game should have been a little shorter (laughs) um i know that's our whole it's our whole thing on this show is short games but um I found myself by the end being like, like, come on, let's just get me to something that is like satisfying. And maybe that's because of my own difficulties with running out of gas and it kind of became a grind near the end for me. Um, and also I would played it for like three hours straight, which is maybe too long for this game um, to play in one sitting. But it really felt like it grinded to an ending. Even though the world was getting more interesting and beautiful, I was kind of ready to be done with it uh by time it was over it's a little finicky and i wasn't feeling the vibe by time i was done
0: I, I feel that and i honestly do kind of agree i think this game probably would have been a little better at like five hours yeah. rather than seven um i i didn't have nearly as much trouble as you did and i think um i'm not that's not a kind of a get good thing like come on dude pick, yeah. up, pick up some boxes just yeah burn the shit find the trash find. find the trash dude get it um it's but, just n- a car no, really what i <laughs> it's just, just drive just drive the boat dude push go um <clears throat> if you put up the sail it just goes yeah um but I, I think it, it, it definitely could have been cut a little bit um not a ton um I think it, it is nice to see them like expand on the original game a little bit the mm-hmm. biggest expansion here is the fact that the game that the boat now has um not just the forward and backward access but also the diving access. Access probably the biggest surprise for me in this game, um, yeah, and was the the fact that suddenly you gain the ability to. It was a dive submarine, all along. like a submarine. Yeah, it was a submarine all along. Yeah, um, and that was that was awesome. And when I discovered that, uh, it was very exciting, like to, to dive the boat. Um, but even that really only adds. That's like one extra system, right? And yeah. each system kind of supports, like, well, you know, here's an extra hour of game, maybe max. Uh, kind of incorporating that system. So yeah, it was perhaps a little too long, but I also, I think maybe just, I was in a better headspace for it. And Possibly. I personally had a lovely time, uh, with yeah. it. it and I, I, <clears> uh, I don't play a lot of games with my kids sitting in my lap. Um, but I played a, a good chunk of this game with uh, my daughter just hanging out with me sitting in my lap and, and, um, you'd think that a three-year-old would not tolerate a chill vibes game like this, right? Like most of the time when we've played games together, it's been something like Mario where she gets to like yell about how daddy's bad at games when
1: he falls in a pit. <laughs> um,
0: but this was like, this was like somehow her
1: speed the, as well. Which your your daughter's way more zen than mine. I, I tried to, I actually played this. I don't play a lot of the games we do for the show with her around, but I played a little bit and she kept being like, Can I help? Can I help? Can I help? And I'm like, No, honey. I'm doing no. nothing right now. <laughs> there, <laughs> no there, one can help there, us. There is there is nothing going on right now. We're just watching this cool boat
0: <laughs> for the next 25
1: minutes. <laughs> well, it's, That's so funny.
2: That said, I think this is... I'm seeing a lot of reviewers pick up on this game that didn't touch the first one. And part of it is mm-hmm. this is
0: a sequel. Mm-hmm. And also it's on Game Pass. And that it's on
2: Game Pass. I do think for some people... Seeing a beautiful two-hour game, they just won't touch it. None of you, our dear listeners, are in this category You wouldn't listen to our podcast. No,
0: our listeners hear beautiful two-hour game, and they get hype. (laughs) Oh,
2: yeah. But there is a a category of people where a five- to seven-hour game is much more palatable. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice to see a game that still has that quality and attention to detail and really nice uh, tranquility. Mm-hmm. that I can bring to that group of people who might have said no to a two-hour game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I mean, I, I don't want to understate either the, the fact that this is launching on consoles and launching on Game Pass. The yeah. mm-hmm. first game, when we first played it for the show, it was PC exclusive, and it stayed that way for a while. It didn't come out on consoles for months, maybe a year after it initially launched, um, by which point like, it was in the rear view for us. And I think maybe for a lot of people who had originally, like that sort of staggered release thing is very practical for indie devs. But I think it's also very detrimental for sort of like really getting a game's name out there, you yeah. know? not having like a, a multi-platform release at launch. Whereas this is coming out out of the gate on Switch and on Game Pass and on PlayStation. So it's it's out there for everybody who wants it. Yeah, and I think that means it's likely to hit a lot harder for in just in terms of like getting out in front of people.
1: Yeah, I and I, I would definitely recommend uh, recommend playing this game, first of all. Like I, I think I had a less than optimal experience with parts of it. But overall, I'm really glad that we did. And the first game, again, one of my favorites. Um, I would also recommend, uh, you know, maybe hour to two hour long play sessions. Um, I think mm-hmm. sometimes for the show. You know, we do a game every week, and I'll get like, I'll like two nights where I'm like, all right, I'm playing the game, and I'm gonna get through it. You know, and that can put me in the wrong headspace for a game that is like, hey, vibe out for for a while. You know, and and I don't want to complain about like the you know the format of the show or whatever, but it's the reality of of how I was playing it, and so I'm yeah, it sucks to be us. Yeah, our our lives are
0: a true nightmare. Really, it's Mm. a real
2: nice. A privilege that i took advantage of until i didn't finish the game uh which is if you play for a while there's a nice rhythm of like puzzle open space get going fly
1: right, puzzle yeah.
2: open space get going fly so when you get to an open stretch it's a really good time to kind of check in and be like oh okay it's eleven thirty. like am i, I should, still yeah like Mm-hmm. I to opt into one more puzzle I don't and I think that rhythm is feels very intentional because it's it's actually quite delightful to get your ship yeah. up and running turn off for the night come back and just be like ah I'm sailing like yeah. it feels so nice to come back to it and part so. of
1: my part of my experience was thinking that the game was like because of that rhythm I mm-hmm. kept thinking the next stop is the was end gonna of, be the going to be the end and then yeah. it'd be like oh, here's a little puzzle box. I'm like, well, I got to do the puzzle. I love a good puzzle. And then I would, you know, and, and the puzzles are fun in this. They're nice. They're light. You know, They're I, I enjoyed them. And then I'd get back on the boat and be like, all right, well, surely the next one has got to be. And there's a big climactic one, maybe the three quarters of the game that I thought was, like mm-hmm. surely this is the end of the game. And then, nope.
2: I guess I'm saying, like, bail out of the car while it's on the highway. Don't yes. wait till it's parked yeah. uh, because you're going to mm. want to solve the puzzle in front of you. Yeah. Like sail, check mm-hmm. in with yourself.
0: Yeah. I always call that park on the downslope, you know? So, oh yeah, you, you I know, like jump, jump to out see. of the moving car rather than. <laughs> <That's> park. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
2: I'm known at work for my metaphors. Someone endorsed me on LinkedIn for them. And I think if they listened to this episode, they would take it away.
0: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. They don't, they don't know you like we do. Mm-mm. Yeah,
2: they don't know the mess. <laughs> I'm sailing away.
0: <laughs> wow, that's gotta be our set an open brain. course for the virgin sea. I've <laughs> got say, to say, say, say. Stop. Stop. Be free. stop. You've got to stop. stop, or I'm gonna have to edit a whole thing out. No, it's gonna be a big pain in the edit. No matter so what, it's all singing. in
1: there. It's all in
0: there. Oh boy, I mean, oh. towboat.
2: Where else to so, go with the spoiler
0: break? <laughs> we do have a spoiler break. Uh, do we want to do what's making us happy this week before the spoiler break? Or do we have Yeah, one? I can tell you what's making me happy this ring. It's a it's an Elden thing. <laughs> Shane, what's making you happy this week? Uh Elden Ring. Nice. Cool. Nice. Does anybody it's else? Not, have something? I mean, I'm not saying it's not for the listeners of this podcast because um I think it is. Uh, pretty accessible uh compared to the uh whole series which i have bailed on multiple times but uh yeah i mean it's not a short game and I'll, i'll so here's what i'll say about elden ring um i'm not very far into it because i do a podcast about other games and i played like five hours of this game uh this week uh also i don't have that much time for games despite having a whole podcast about games but um this is just an ad- it's an addicting loop, uh, in Elden Ring, and the world is so cool. It really reminds me of what it was like to play Skyrim for the first time, and in a really good way. And it's a very expressive game where you really feel like you are like crafting your own character and playstyle, um, and the world is just so full of weird shit like i i found a weird cave uh that had a bunch of like gargoyles inside and at the bottom of it i fought a gigantic stomping cat dog gargoyle thing and it was delightful uh and then i found a a a, a, a i was i was up, the coolest part is is the the feeling of being outclassed and then like that's it's the it's always so personally empowering to feel like, oh, I can't handle this. I'm going to back off. And then you come back and you, and you just destroy. Like, there, there's um, several times early in the game where you can kind of um, go up against an area that feels really tough. And for me, there was like a forest full of sword dudes. And I was like, well, I'm just a sword dude uh, fighting other sword dudes. But they've got armor. I don't. Um, anyway, I was getting destroyed by the sword dudes. Uh, so I hid in a cave, go figure that cave was full of wolves. Uh, so I, I fought wolves in a cave for a while. Um, and at the bottom of that cave, there was a beast man, um, who was super intense. I got killed by the beast man. I got killed by the wolves, but after fighting the wolves for a long time, I I had a much better handle on the combat system. And then I came out of the wolf cave and then I just totally annihilated the dudes in the forest, and uh, you know just kept on going like that. And that's basically the the repeating cycle of Elden Ring so far for me is just getting destroyed, learning something new, maybe leveling up a little bit, uh, and then coming back and doing it again. And it's been very, very enjoyable. Um, Elden Ring is not for the not really designed for the short game audience, but I still recommend it. It's about 40 to to
1: 100 hours. <laughs> yeah, it does sound very appealing to me. I also I've I've actually really never tried a Souls game despite my uh general appreciation of and fandom of games that are are difficult. I like that that sort of grind and that uh effort, but um this is the first one that I've been like, well, maybe I should pick it up and give it a shot. Uh everyone keeps comparing it to uh those, those I've, I've been hearing people even though again the, the gameplay is unlike it but like people are saying like this is what i felt like when i played breath of the wild this is what i felt like when i played Elden or um, Elden, skyrim you know these like massive titles um which is a, an appealing uh comparison but also i have been Trying to play Horizon Zero Dawn for about eight, eight months now. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still working through that. So maybe I'll get to Elden Ring. Uh, but I feel like I've got like 19 games in between then and now to play too. Um, I, I'll, I'll go next. I have been playing a game, not for the short game, that I think <sighs> might be the opposite of Elden Ring. Which I've been playing the mobile app version of Settlers of Catan Uh, (laughs) um, a lot. And it's a great little game to pick up because uh, when everything is automated and you're playing online, I play with other people. When everything is automated and there's a, a timer per turn, a single game of Settlers of Catan usually takes 20 to 25 minutes. Now, in real life, when you're playing that with your friends, it's like a two-hour experience at the least, right? But online in the app, you can play a game end to end very, very quickly. I've had 15-minute games. I have had like 45-minute games, but it's way closer to 20 to 25. That is one of my favorite games of all time, and I've been really enjoying it. I, I do enjoy a like a, a Elo ranking system for games like this, like chess and. And and Settlers has one and I've been climbing the ranks. I got into Diamond. Uh Ooh. next next level is Grandmaster, which is the highest. And I'm actually very close to it, which is satisfying. Um so you know, that's going on my Twitter bio. If I make it Grandmaster Catan uh player, and I will I will require each of you to refer to me as Grandmaster Nate oh. uh going <laughs> so- forward. Grandmaster,
2: you know, whenever John Darnell get, makes mythic in Magic, he makes a little song about it and posts to Twitter. So I would, I would like to encourage you to also come up with a jam when you make. <laughs> Grandmaster.
0: I literally uh, have done this Twitter. when, when we, uh, when we got really into Catan years and years ago. Um, reading through the rule book, it says that the winner is hailed as Lord of all Catan. Yeah, um, And so we would just always – it was part of the rules that when someone won, everyone at the table had to say, Hail, 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 hail Lord, Lord of all Qatar." <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which is how we'll respond to you on Twitter when you post your music about making Grandmaster. I,
1: I intend yes. – I expect you to refer to me that as that in this podcast going forward. Once I get there – I'm not there yet, but most of my games now are are occupied by Grandmaster level players. So I'm at that. I'm at that. You know that challenge level now where I got. a I to break in.
0: So I know you have a fancy Catan board that you made yourself, isn't that right? That is correct. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of Catan. Uh, it is a great game. I love it. I, I have had my eye recently on the Catan 3D edition. Have you seen this that, that they that they put out? Uh, this no, is a two hundred and fifty dollar set of Catan. Shit. That uh, where every piece, including the like every tile, uh, all the numbers, all the little buildings and roads, um, are uh, three dimensional painted
1: models. I was gonna say the game's already in three D. It's a board game, but I, I know it. <laughs> um,
0: that's what they call the three D edition. It's it's all like little uh, hand painted plastic items. So. They have recently put out that um, and they they have it down at my local game store. Shout out to Coral. Never heard of it. (laughs) I'm kind of sorely tempted by it. Um, But they also have some things there that I think maybe a Catan fan like yourself would be interested in. Uh, They have these. um, There's like a special Catan branded uh, dice tower and card box, um, like card caddy. Uh, So. The makers of Catan are are currently going all out for those uh, Catan whales such as yeah. yourself. Well, next, <laughs> and hey,
1: remember, listeners, next time you're at Coral Sword, enter our promo code SHORTGAME for a 10% <laughs> discount. Uh, no, Shane, that all sounds great. Uh, that's definitely up my alley. I assume once I hit Grandmaster and I get the giant check in the mail that I assume is coming – um i will i'll be sure send you one yeah right? yeah. yeah i'm pretty They'll sure you there's no way i've spent editions. all this time for nothing um so <laughs> <laughs> for only, only to be hailed as the Lord yeah. of surely there's a monetary uh uh reward for this um so of course. It must, and, anyway that that's, that's what how capitalism yeah. <laughs> yeah. works. <laughs> why else would i be doing this
0: well uh i have a bit of something that i wanted to shout out um That's making me happy, but also that I just want to make sure that everyone listening to the show is aware of. Um, So folks listening to this show for a while will probably remember a couple of years ago, the big um, uh, bundle at itch. For social justice, that was happening around the same time as the, the massive outpouring of uh, protest and support around social justice issues, specifically around the George Floyd protests and everything. Um, and there was that really amazing uh, itch.io bundle for social justice back then. Um, well, Necrosofty game or Necrosoft Games. Necrosofty is the is the Twitter handle for um, oh, geez, what's his name? the guy who runs Necrosoft Microsoft games, whose name is suddenly escaping me, but he's also a podcaster. By the way, if you, if you like uh, fun and funny video game related podcasts, the insert credit podcast is great. He's one of the guys who's on there, but anyway, he organized a bundle in support of humanitarian uh, aid for Ukraine um, and for Ukrainian refugees specifically. And uh, it's an amazing bundle, perhaps even better Than the bundle from two years ago for social justice charities. And I cannot recommend enough people checking it out for the dual purposes of, first of all, it's an amazing bundle full of amazing stuff that you'll love to play. And secondly, it is supporting uh, charities that are really in need of your support right now. Um, So don't just go and buy it for the minimum of $10, go and buy it for uh, whatever you can afford. Uh, and that will send money to uh, a couple of charities that are doing good directly, um, and I think it's probably a good way to, to to handle things. You know, if you're if you're wanting to send money, obviously you can you can send money directly, but you can also buy this bundle, and all of your funds will go towards that purpose. Um, I just wanted to quickly call out: I would like, I think, to do another we, back when we uh, when itch when they did the big itch bundle for social justice stuff, um, we did an episode specifically about it, and I would like to do the same. For this uh, this new bundle, um, but I thought I'd mention just now, while you know, because by the time we get to that bundle, I think this bundle is going to be live for ten days, which means that very likely by the time that we get an episode about the bundle out, uh, it will no longer be available for sale. So I wanted to make sure that folks are aware that it's there, and I also, as an enticement, wanted to tell you. Here are the games that, just uh, uh, having done a quick scroll through the 900-some-odd games that are in this bundle, there's more than that if you count things that are not, um, not games specifically like you know, TTRPGs and stuff, um, but just the stuff that we have covered on the show before uh, with episodes on it. I think there are 13 of them. And here's the ones that are, uh, that are previous short game topics that you may have. Maybe you listened to the episode and you thought I'd like to get around to that when maybe the game is on sale. Well, here it is. Uh, here's the games that I spotted in the list that we have covered before. Um, and those are Wander Song, super hot, man, super hots in this bundle, heavy hitters, uh, yinglet, the, uh, we covered that like last year and it was really that was good. cool. Uh, 2040 2064 read-only memories a short hike a uh, short game all-timer a short hike who amazing game uh baba is you dang
2: one of my baba picks for game you. of the year
0: <laughs> oh boy uh celeste yeah. one of the picks for game of all time right uh, what a game nate is nate is vibrating in his seat <laughs> um minute one of the games that is easily one of the most short game short games ever uh Towerfall and its expansion of the Dark World uh, so like, also you,
2: vibrating again. It's,
0: it's amazing. And you get the whole thing. And the the expansion, if you maybe checked out Towerfall, but didn't ever check out uh, the Dark World expansion, the Dark World expansion for Towerfall is incredible and adds a ton of new game modes, including some stuff that if you happen to be a friendless loser and want to play Towerfall on your own, adds <laughs> some stuff that's like incredible for single player stuff. I don't think that was out when we covered uh, Towerfall the first time. Uh, yeah,
1: hey, friendless losers who listen to our show, here's a game for you. Thanks, Reagan. Hey, listen,
0: <laughs> they're my people, all right? You, you, I, I'm with you. Um, quadrilateral, quadrilateral short cowboy. game, friendless losers that respect your time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Four friendless losers in right. fact um quadrilateral cowboy i i think i might be the only stan on this podcast for quadrilateral cowboy but that game is incredible if you love uh really weird immersive sims it's one of the i think it's one of the greatest games of all time uh wheels of aurelia we've done an episode on that uh and it is a great sort of combo of of a uh, uh, road trip and interactive fiction.
2: Euro trash Italy.
0: <laughs> yeah. And finally button city, which uh, we had mixed feelings about, but when it's as part of a bundle like this, I can wholeheartedly recommend it at the price of one zillionth of the cost of whatever you choose to put into this bundle. And finally, I'd also say that uh, friend of the show can one be both a friend of the show and a friendless loser. <laughs> yes. Uh, Friend of the show, Kirk Lindsay, or Lindsay, I'm sorry, I don't remember how to pronounce your last name. Uh, Friend of the show, Kirk Lindsay, uh, developer of Combo Postage, included his game in the bundle as well. We've never done a full episode on Combo Postage, but I've mentioned it many times. It's one of my favorite action platformers of all time. I kind of think we should do that, actually, uh, by mm -hmm. the way. Uh, I I still have never actually played that. Well, let's make some time for it. I will. I will happily talk about Combo Postage. Literally anytime. It's. So, it's. Uh, it's become one of my favorite games of
2: all. Luckily, time. we want to talk about this bundle that contains it.
0: Hmm. Oh Shane, you may have an opportunity to play Combo Postage coming right up. So, uh, listeners, we've had plans in place for upcoming episodes. In fact, we've. Kind of got our our plans laid uh, more far in advance than we usually do right now, but this has preempted some things. We're going to probably be doing this either this coming week or maybe the week after, but very soon. So first of all, go grab that bundle. You can pay as little as $10 if you are just wanting to grab the bundle, and I think that's fair enough. But if you can, if you can swing it, uh, you can type whatever number you want into that field. And uh, I would encourage you to dig deep and do so. Um, and uh, then we're going to be coming back with recommendations being presented with a bundle list of 900-some-odd games uh, is pretty daunting and it can be hard to find things in that list. Um, one thing that I I will say for this bundle is that one of the changes they made from as, as compared to the previous bundle is the previous bundle, the one for, um, for social justice. Um, they allowed anyone on itch to submit their works and, um, for better or worse they they allowed folks to submit free works works that were already free to be part of the bundle which is fine uh, but in this case they decided for you know to to make the bundle Uh, more of a clear value. They only allowed paid works and specifically paid games, paid TTRPGs. They were a little more selective. And yet they still got an absolutely massive collection um, of some of it really exciting and interesting stuff. I went through this afternoon and downloaded something like 40 games out of this list. And I'm like, you know, going through and clicking on things and I've already found two or three things that I'm really enthusiastic about. So I would definitely recommend checking this out. It's making me happy in a dark time, uh, looking at the state of the world. It, you know, we can all use a little bit of happy along with our, and, you know, uh, giving you an excuse and easy, uh, easy method to send some money to charities that seem to be doing good work, uh, to help the people of Ukraine. Uh, it seems like the way to go. So, um, do that thing. And uh, we'll hopefully be talking about this more soon.
2: And I have no transition to my incredibly shallow what's making me happy.
1: <laughs> Top that one. Um,
2: so I'm not even going to try. Quite frankly, I am. I, a couple weeks ago, I said I was excited about a gossip podcast. And this week, I'm very excited about a text thread in which uh, four of my friends from acting class found out another person in the acting class had gotten a job at the Disney Hotel uh, Star Wars Immersive Ooh. Theater, and none of them understood what it was, and so I had to explain to them that it wasn't an actual cruise ship, it was at Disneyland, it was Star Wars World, but was improvisational immersive theater, explaining what LARP was, trying to explain why the hotel <laughs> cost $5,000, it just became like oh, man. a cascade of questions, because... I love my theater friends so dearly, and they are online sometimes, but they never have quite clicked into quite nerddom, fandom, uh, immersive theater spaces, so they had no idea what any of this was. And I was like, well, it's just a LARP but for people who are paying $5,000, but, like, there's no windows because it's supposed to be space, and they just were completely flummoxed. It was all of the good gossip of, like, so... Uh, you know this guy we know well has this job what is the job does that mean he's not an actor anymore i was like no it means he just got a full-time job (laughs) like with benefits Mm -hmm. like he just got a great job that star wars related this is wonderful his agent is probably over the moon he's been mentioned in some articles with his character name like this is actually a good job but just the gossip (laughs) Do you know his character
0: name i would really love to hear it.
2: oh he's playing a rake um who is a he's a rogue who uh, is a manager of the lounge singer
0: oh um, man
2: and so he is her lo- he is her manager and gets to also like hang out the bar all day and he gets to, like bet on stuff and like that's his job
0: um, I, I I like I'm not a huge Star Wars guy, but like pretending to be really cool in a place designed to make you look cool sounds like an incredible job. <laughs>
2: I should look up the name because the name is absolutely incredible.
0: I mean, yeah, so Star Wars names across the board are just weird as fuck. There's a oh, dude I'm named sure Kit named Fisto. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> At what point do you just start to disassociate and you become like you know like I feel like that. I, I'm really into these. Uh, I, I want to go to this Star Wars thing, though I know I never will. Um, but I have to imagine these actors are going to slowly lose their minds over oh, the best. of time. The best,
2: the best thing in the group thread was when someone went, oh, I get it. It's like Ren Faire had money. Uh, um, yes.
0: Right? Yes. Basically. Like, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. his
2: name exactly. is Wraith is Cole, scoundrel extraordinaire. And he oh, plays that's a,
0: too good. That's too a, good. The movies would have called him something like Wraith Dong... Dongler,
1: right? <laughs> <Rafe laughs> Dong Dongler. That's good improv, Reagan. <laughs> Thank
2: you. Yeah, and, and yes, have,
1: yeah, and it's also <laughs> my name.
2: Here's the other thing. They're like, oh, so he's been out this chip for six. He said he's been playing it the last six months, and I was like, it opened last week. That means they did six months of improv training wow. before yeah. the thing opened. That's where impressive. They, they so he's had a six month job already, but
0: he, he couldn't say anything about what he was doing. Playing pretend. In Star Wars land, that's incredible. I Come don't around that. here much? A nice <laughs> I'm a. Look. I have to say, like, I'm really <laughs> fascinated by the idea of this place, but I'm also a little bit terrified seeing these like five thousand dollar hotel rooms that have no windows.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's, I, it's a, triangle, a recipe for fire insanity to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great and it's terrifying. I just
0: have to imagine like they really have to prepare these guys for the fact that like the people who are going to be spending five thousand dollars, especially on the first wave of this, are going to be the real Star Wars diehards who are going to want to go in and ask Wraith all the trivia mm-hmm. questions at the bar and make sure they're comparing his improvisational answers with their various canons.
1: That's that probably wearing. why they did six. Six months of training before. Oh man. So so
2: he knows his lore and he doesn't know anything he's not supposed to. And I think it's I mean, I'm very happy with a someone I like getting a good job, but I'm more happy by the inexplicable text thread of trying to explain Rinfair with money. To normals,
1: <laughs> yes. Well, it sounds yes. like they explained it to you, but when they called it a ring fair with money, well,
2: I, I, I took a very long time, and I was like, "Yeah, Disney is really a Ren fair with money," and yeah. that's great. More power to it.
0: Well, thank you, listeners, for joining us on this voyage to the stars. We've uh, we've been your your rakish captain and crew uh, of of this pod ship uh, in into. Yes, keep it going.
2: I wish them. that the, the listeners could see the faces of disdain that Shane and Nate were giving Reagan throughout that monologue.
0: It was, it was
1: a respectful disdain.
0: Yes. <laughs> respectful disdain is all I can hope for. We're a podcast after all. Uh, so thank you listeners for joining us here. You can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net and on all the podcast platforms. By the way, we don't always mention this, but uh, if you are listening to this this show on a platform that supports things such as reviews. For example, if you are listening to this on an Apple podcast platform or on Spotify, we very much appreciate reviews and ratings. They are the best way to support the show short of supporting our show on Patreon. I see Nate gesturing at his phone, which
1: can only mean perhaps we have a new review. Nate. That's right. I want to shout out Michael Hanneman for, uh, a very nice review that really speaks to why we do this show and why, uh, it's great for them. Um, they, the heading is one of my favorites. Well, Michael, you're one of our favorites. Thank you for taking the time. I realized the other day that I do this on all these shows on this show all the time. Talk about making review, giving reviews to our show. And I realized that I have not paid it forward to a lot of my favorite shows. And I spent like 10 minutes going through the podcast app and just reviewing and rating like all my favorite shows. And it felt good. And I was glad that I did it. Did not take that long. If you're an avid podcast listener, I recommend you go and do that, not just for us, but for every show that you enjoy. It does help. So thank you, Michael. And thank you, everyone who does. Thank
0: you michael and thank you to all of our patrons who have gone to patreon.com slash the short game and supported the show even at just a dollar a month that is enough for us to give us your uh for for us to invite you to our discord where we chat about the show and also for us to give you our thanks and uh warm regards so listeners go to patreon.com slash the short game and hey if you want some stickers to slap on your laptop or podcast Device or whatever, maybe on your Nintendo switch, uh, if you support us at the five dollar level, even just briefly because we we uh, you know're happy to have you support at any any level that you are comfortable with, uh, then I will mail you some stickers and i 'm getting a little low on those stickers, so if folks want to uh, to support now 's the time before I have to go and put in a new order, so uh, do that thing. Uh, and also you can find us on the internet at www.theshortgame.net. You can find us on Twitter at underscore short game. And you can find me personally on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash.
0: Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter at Nate STL. And Shane, where can people find you? Always on Twitter at 8 Shane. And listeners, here it is. We're jumping into spoilers to talk about the ending of of far loan sales. Here it is your spoiler break.
1: So you may not remember from the last episode or the episode that we did for far loan sales, which you is, I a-
0: don't remember every detail of the podcast <laughs> episode you listened to last in 2018.
1: Um, well, and I'm speaking to you too. Um, but if you remember, uh, I encountered a, a game breaking glitch and near I the do. near it the very tragic. yeah near the very you fell through the earth fell through yeah, the I earth about yeah that. and I was never able to recover and um, it, it was
2: emotionally never emotionally to and
1: I never got to the end <laughs> just so, shattered so it did make the ending of this a little less um, touching but I you know I, I was able to piece together the context clues to understand what was happening here.
0: What I, liked, I didn't, what I liked about this ending was that it was both a touching ending that tied the game together with the previous game and also extremely bleak and
1: depressing. Yeah. There's so, nowhere to go know, in either direction. Uh, I know. And, so yeah. the, the
0: previous game ends with Far or Lone, rather. Loan. L- L- the third game is going to be Far. Yeah. Um, lone uh, finally breaks down her little locomotive, but she finally makes it to water. She makes it to the edge of the ocean. She washes up on the shore. And there's a moment at that point where you feel like, well, this—you know, she's she's gone as far as she can. She's the last person alive, or at least the, la- the only living thing we've seen on this entire long journey. She's made it to the ocean. She can go no further. And what is she going to do here but wait to starve and die? Um, at least she gets to look at a pretty view while she does it, the end, right? And then Far in the distance, you hear a foghorn, and that's just as the credits are beginning to roll. And it was a, it was a lovely moment because it's sort of like, yes, she was going somewhere. She was trying to get to someone somewhere out there. Something is blowing a foghorn, and there's hope on the horizon, right? And that was a beautiful moment. And in my head, I was envisioning there's a cruise liner out there, <laughs> or, you know, there's a and there's it's a, Star Wars a floating. Linked. Yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a floating city. She's, she's finally made it to the ocean and to her people. Right. But that's, that's what, what we learned in the final moments of this game is, you know, the last moments of this game, you find, you drive your, you know, water locomotive tow all the way. Yeah. towboat all the way to a tower. And one of the last things you do in the last moments of the game is you blow a fog horn and I didn't put it together quite at that moment, but I was like, Got it. It got a um, uh, uh, uh what was it? Uh, like a, a, a notification? What are the, the like the, the, the achievements? Achi- the achievements. Yeah, it was called something like a familiar sound. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, oh no. And then uh, the 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 visuals turn around, so you're no longer going left to right; you're going right to left, and you meet, which far. was it's was kind
1: of arresting. Going going yeah. right to left. It was like I felt uncomfortable the whole time. <laughs> like, why are we going this way now? And I know you're, you, like, you can tell you're still making progress. But just seeing your ship in the other direction, your sails are, like, blocking the flags. You can't even really see it as mm-hmm. well. It's like, this is really strange. Why are we doing this? And it's, you're now matching, you know, you're, you're, It's for the symmetry, right? Yeah, yeah, it's to, yeah. So that
0: you can see that we're meeting at the, the middle. The middle, yeah. Um, between the previous game and this one. Yeah, uh, the the place where the endless desert meets the endless ocean. Yeah,
1: is there any evidence or anything to pre- for us to assume that they were doing this intentionally, or I think so, or um, is it just so what we yeah. what okay. we saw in
0: the pre- in the early parts of this game? You know, we see the the picture that Toe, the protagonist in this game, has on his wall of his mother. It's pretty easy to assume that it's his mother, anyway. And then say three quarters of the way into the into this game, when we get to the point where they are where you know it's the ice area, right. you he he finally finds the mother right. frozen to death in the in the like cool uh, boat beached, yeah. with boat the map. That was Yeah. And in her hands is a picture of Lone. Um she's ho- so I believe, and you know, if you remember Lone uh in the the first game uh, there were there was evidence that her father was an engineer and she was trying to go to meet him right. and that he's dead so what i believe is going on here uh was that these two are siblings um because you know why would why would his mother have a picture of her for example yeah. if they weren't um and they're trying to sort of they've been separated uh throughout the catastrophe that's befallen this world and they're trying to meet and Presumably after this, I guess they're going to go on an adventure.
1: Yeah. You know? uh, well, yeah. Hey, yeah, then we'll get a, uh, we'll get a brother's tale of two sons style game right. where you control <laughs> bar or lone and tow with each joystick. It'll be great. Um, okay. That uh, makes sense. Yeah. And I, I guess in that way, it's not, it doesn't have to be seen as bleak because you have to assume they I both. I mean,
0: it's still kind of bleak. If you think about the fact that like, these are two characters who are going on a long journey to find th- each other, but from that from the those two journeys you get a really full picture of what's possible on this planet
1: right but know? there are there's not dead. much there yes and no there yeah. are groups of people you know so if they're you see little evidence of little tribes and and other people around so if if their goal well, was, you never
0: see another living person. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Man, what, can I, you give me the example of like little? I don't know. Or,
1: maybe or, I felt like I felt like I saw things. In the, maybe i just hallucinating. There is I animal just, life. There's yeah. animal don't life. Remember sure. from
2: the first game? I do not remember yeah. animal life.
1: I don't know. In the distance, I, I felt though. like I, I saw.
0: You see lots of like um, fish and some yeah. elk and other things like that in this.
1: Okay. So It's <laughs> well, if their goal though, you know, they're probably unless the catastrophe just happened. You know, I think the, if um, th- their goal is to find each other, what are the odds that they actually accomplish that? You know?
0: Well, they live in a world in which there's only left and right. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: the odds are pretty good That's if that like you point. In as long as you're going, <laughs> as long as you're going, as long as you're not both going left or both going right, you would inevitably mm. run into each other.
2: I, at first when playing this, thought that it was a prequel to Farlon Sales because this I was the water. Every like the water is everywhere, and the water hasn't had a chance to recede. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or that you know, I, and then just given one is all dry and one is all wet. I assumed that like ah, this must have just happened. Uh, there's a lot more evidence of people, but then the fog court at the end maybe like revise that, and maybe there are different parts of the world. Maybe the world is much larger, and they've just been walking for two. Just seven hours.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. but- <laughs> no, well, it does. Uh, th- we didn't talk about it in the pre, uh, the before spoiler, but there, like, there's a, um, the stats page talks about how far you've actually you're traveling, and it's oh. like, and it's like thousands of miles, or mm. m- maybe it's meters, but I'm pretty sure it's miles. You know, still
2: very long. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and so like you are going a great distance, you know. And it feels uh, like it. So yeah.
2: it is a little troubling that you don't see anybody in all of that amount of
1: time. And there are times where there's like the rotation of you know the sun goes down and sun comes up, right? And so like, you know, I got the picture that this was a um you know, a multi multi day journey for this for for this person and not just like you know, actually three hours of real no, life, you no. know.
2: I, yeah. I I think it's I think I'm interested to know if they're going to do a third or if yeah. this is considered complete. Because
0: <laughs> a third, they're coming from the side to meet in the middle.
1: There's I, a, there's the y-axis still. They're gonna they're gonna go up. You know, I mean they 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 yeah they haven't done a plane yet. Oh, well, the, there was the, the balloon. The, the balloon point thing point was cool. The balloon thing was yeah, cool. That was cool. Although that was the part where I got stuck also because my engine was broke and I you have to do this like. The bellows don't work as well, and I didn't think that that was what I had to do to move forward. So I tried all this stuff going forwards, going back. I swam forever looking for something that I was supposed to do before finally I was like, the only thing I think I can do is mess around with this fire some more. And I finally got the balloon. But anyway, um, yeah, I'd love to know more. Like, is it just game mechanics that required there to be all these little ladders and all this little infrastructure for these people to move around? Or is that some like rebuilding of the world and there are other people around and they're just not here anymore. I did get the sense
0: that there were people who were trying to like – make a new world for themselves after the catastrophe. Right. Things like the sunken cities and everything. Yeah. But they seem so broken and yeah. empty that it it all kind of gave me the vibe that I also got in the previous game that was like, this is a world that had to come to grips with a terrible ecological catastrophe, tried valiantly for a while, and then fell on its face. Right. And
2: Or um, ran out of time because I, I yeah. think I I get some of the ladders, but I think a lot of the other stuff is just the height of, like, trying to out-build the water. Like, I think mm-hmm. some of the mm. stuff was scaffolding. Like, there's a part with some kind of bridge or art that it was clear that that was, like, a wall to not – like, yeah. that was supposed to be a wall to hold out the water, but you only encounter it underwater. So, like,
1: the – you know, it's a Levy's Broke situation, that's fair and those those giant ass cranes that were operated by very tiny switches. So, mm-hmm.
2: like people are small, the scale is huge because you're trying to just
1: be deal. taller trying than the deal. water. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you're trying to deal. I think and at some point the the patience and engineering wore out.
1: Yeah. But why are the two kids still out there?
2: I so. don't know how the two kids survived.
1: Yeah. You know, they just Last well, ones left alive. But that's cool. Nepotism. That's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I would be interested in more games of the far genre. And if they just want to call this like the story of, of Lone and Toe being done, you know, maybe um This this seems complete to yeah, me at this point.
0: Yeah. Like I I would love to see more games using these this method. Yeah. Like the closest things that I can think of. We talked on the 2018 episode about uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Space-Time, which has a little bit of the same kind of vibe. But there's so few things that do this. And it is a really – it's really fascinating. It's a really, like, useful thing to – if your goal is to, like, make a game that's about, like, exploring a really large – Space to give you like a sense of the breadth of a world while also giving you something to do with your hands rather than just a toy while you get to
2: look at a pretty landscape and like,
0: yeah, which is fine, it worked great here. I think it's anyway,
1: I'm I would I would love to see more. Oh,
2: that's praise. I like a fidget toy while I look Mm at a pretty landscape. Well,
1: yeah, mechanical upkeep is an interesting thing, and uh, especially in this where it's all so steampunky and. Everything is so physical and tactile. You know, uh, you know, you can ring a bell, but you know, I think one of the best parts about a game like FTL is the chaos of the mechanical upkeep of keeping your ship going when things start to go wrong. Where are you assigning people, and how are you going to manage the like the order of repairs that you're doing? But in a game like FTL, it's to serve the purpose of combat, uh, and like it's a very direct cause and effect. Whereas this is like to serve the purpose of locomotion and just moving left to right it's a way more peaceful and interesting mechanic um and i would be i i like that degree of chaos that comes from it um i you know i could see them just you know do a prequel roll back the world a little bit and let's see it as it's being um you know developed because obviously these ships the whole world is built for these sorts of ships right like your ship, especially in this one, is constantly plugging into things and like activating things. And it's like, oh, this world was made to be operated by these sorts of things. And uh, I I would imagine that that didn't like get built and then the world shut down. It's probably, as you're saying, Laura, it was all part of the, the plan to save the world or whatever. So I imagine you could probably roll back the universal, you know, a couple hundred years or whatever and Give us another game where you're exploring the same world, but now we're seeing it maybe more vibrant. Maybe there are people or, or whatever, you know, or roll it forward another thousand years and let's see uh, what this world is like now. Because it is a cool and interesting and tragic world. It, just the the scale of it is is really what drives this game.
2: It's at the rest yeah. stage. Let's say it at the algae stage.
1: Yeah, yeah. I want to go back to single cell organism time, you know. <laughs> I would have, I would have liked if
0: this game gave a little. Like the first game was so mysterious, I would have kind of liked if this game gave a, a little bit more. There's some tomes, of like, there's some tomes laying around. You know, I don't need, I don't need. Actually, you know what? Honestly, in the beginning, hey, put. Put a bookshelf on the boat. Like I it,
2: want a copy of Moby Dick to read in every uh, yeah. game.
0: Right? Yeah, yep. man. Put put a put a bookshelf in there. Put Moby Dick plus two or three books about the history of the world. Honestly, that
1: wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. I wouldn't no,
2: mind it. it would have they could been probably pretty do pretty it
1: They would probably yeah. do it in a more clever way than that. But you know what? If that's what they want to do, I would take it. Uh, yeah, I'm waiting for but the novelization I'm okay with what
0: we got in terms of like yeah. lore or whatever. The, the the fact that this like you can Google this game lore and you find nothing whatsoever. There's yeah. a little more. If you look up uh, the previous game's title, because obviously there's been some more time, but you know, there's there's not much, and it's because there's really not much here. It's yeah. it's uh, it's sort of a tone thing. There's definitely like they gave some thought to like, well, what are we depicting in the world, and they do have a sense of what happened in this world. Yeah, but you don't need to know anything other than ecological catastrophe. Some things got wet. Some things. Got
1: rough. <laughs> I, I saw in the in the credits there was. Um, you know, a job title and a person that was like story head or something like that. And I was just like, I want to talk to that person because like, Mm -hmm. first of all, what was their job like on this game? You know, head of story in a game with zero dialogue and zero, uh, you know, actual like, um, plot other than and i mean no disrespect to whoever this person is like you know we're talking about just a
0: bunch of like hanging out in their office with their feet up and occasionally people come into the the their office and ask them questions and they just sort of say like wouldn't you like to know they're like
1: what about giant tubes and he's like yeah (laughs) yeah yeah giant giant tubes fit in this world you know and yeah yeah. um but yeah i don't know i just i that struck me as that like story head for a game like this has to be such an interesting uh degree of contribution like i'd love to know what they were doing on a day-to-day basis to influence this game which was so purposefully devoid of story in the way that we normally think about it
0: well i don't know what else there is to say about this one other than that i still strongly recommend people check it out um I know we we vaguely mentioned this earlier, but like I think this will be a good option on any platform you choose to play it on. Um, I played it on PC uh, via Game Pass. Uh, Nate and Laura, I believe, both played it on Xbox also yep. via Game Pass.
2: Yeah, yep. it looks real, real nice on a projector.
0: Yeah, nice. Looked good uh, on my TV. I'm pretty sure this would also play fine on a Nintendo Switch. Um, I, I, you know, heard the the port of the previous game for switch was fine so that's a good option as well
1: well we talked about it before i think the game is very beautiful but i don't think it's necessarily incredibly high def all the time so i think even handheld on a switch would probably still look good i think ideally though you're playing this on something bigger um, because of the, the finickiness and the, and the, and the smallness of min, many things. And also, like, the big storm scene was, like, really cool, you know, with, like, the mm. nice big sound. Um, the lightning cracking and whatnot was, was good. I was glad to be playing it on a big screen.
2: Yeah, it doesn't require big screen for anything but like scale and drama yeah um, I, but I really enjoyed the scale and drama so yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I would have been like oh look at the elk if I was playing you wouldn't even know
1: what it was if, if you're playing it handheld on Switch I think it would no be... there's no
2: way I'd know those were animals in the yeah. background yeah yeah If you want to see the portrait of your mom, you should play on something (laughs) bigger than a handheld.
0: Yeah. Or just ride that Zoom button a bunch. Oh, yeah. You'll you'll see it if you Zoom in. All right. Well, listeners, thank you for joining us. And thank you for sticking around for the spoiler break. Uh, We'll be back next week with more The Short Game.